Welcome back, everyone. I'm joined today with Jacob Knittel. Hi, everybody. And we're back to normal schedule. Uh, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be reading a paper for you and trying to talk about it, trying to understand it with you guys. And it's really cool when, when we were reading it. It's, right, breaking uh, down something complicated like adult neurogenesis from reprogram astrocytes. And which so is the name of the paper, by the way. Right, and um, yeah, breaking that down to a level that anyone can appreciate. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about neurons, when they die, how usually they don't want to come back, process of our evolution, right. our biology. and Or at least what we previously knew about that. Right, mm. and how in the future this could be something that we will not have to deal with anymore. Well, not maybe deal with, but understand better and use to our advantage. Maybe in the like very far future, very if, far. if we're still here. True. But yeah, so this paper is brought to us by the Griffiths Lab at Stanford University School of Medicine. So hey, that's your, that's your favorite school. I'd love to go there. <laughs> Shout out Stanford. Neurogenesis is the birth of new neurons, and we used to think that it was restricted to just early brain development, and this paper goes into the progression of research that came out in the last three decades or so that has sort of disproved that in, in that there are neurogenic regions of the brain and more specifically, cells that might aid in neurogenesis throughout the brain, namely astrocytes. So we're going to talk today a lot about de-differentiating astrocytes and the importance that they hold in neurogenesis and all of these different disease processes. It's also pretty interesting to note that in the early 2000s, we had new research coming out that was saying basically there are more regions than we thought of that have been hypothesized to be neural progenitor sites, and it's not as restrictive as it was implied by just earlier research, basically restricting the area to the hippocampus, the olfactory bulb. Now we're seeing it kind of in the cortex, striatum, hypothalamus, other sites where we were like, mm, probably not, just due to developmental biology and what we knew about how neurons played a role in our brain. Simply put, what we knew is different, and that's the beauty of science, and that's why we're doing this, right? Right, because literally everything we said right now could be completely wrong in two years. And it's got goosebumps. Like, that's for real, though. It's, yeah, who it knows? Who knows what's going to happen? So what's cool – hold on. I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. What's cool is um, this paper actually brings up a little controversy in adult neurogenesis, and they talk about a paper published in 2018 that posits that the hippocampal – neurogenesis actually decreases in early childhood and it isn't even present in adult humans or adult non-human primates which was really weird because for a very long time the hippocampus was assumed to be like the region of adult neurogenesis so it was interesting to be able to kind of read this and digest this information that even now we still don't have 100% clear evidence proving that there was something that neuroscientists kind of agreed on in terms of adult neurogenesis. One thing that I found that was really interesting with this is how the fir they first start talking about it, how the techniques to even show neurogenesis and to, to 
like the technical approaches to it are subpar at best and they showed how a couple different a couple hours or rather a couple days difference in fixation times drastically changed the microscopy images showing the neurogenesis right and right. so i think what this paper first tackles is there's an issue and you'll see that in a lot of papers where the first part of every paper is just going to say there's an issue and so the issue here is that we don't know really anything about neurogenesis i mean we shouldn't say anything we know a lot actually but there's still a lot to uncover about neurogenesis but at the end of the day i think you know this is just kind of inching towards a future where we can begin to tackle diseases such as dementias strokes traumatic brain injuries and come to a point where we can basically start to make the prognoses prognoses excuse me on these diseases not as abysmal as they are sometimes yeah I mean, right that's the hope yeah because i mean imagine walking into a hospital not walking i guess being wheeled into a hospital with a huge hemorrhagic stroke paralyzed left side of your body right side of your body whatever can barely talk can understand everything you can hear but you can't communicate with the outside world which is literally insane i would hate that would happen crazy i hope it doesn't happen to anyone but can you imagine just like a doctor walking in and just saying yeah a few hours should be back to normal this therapeutic endpoint they discuss is how we might be able to control neurogenesis in simple terms regrow a brain which is kind of godly if you think about it right and so there's obviously ethical dilemmas with that but um that's essentially what this end point uh the end point of this paper is and so we first it first starts to talk about de-differentiating de astrocytes. Like I said, it's going to be a, a massive point of conversation in this paper and in today's podcast. De-differentiating is, if we break down that word, de and differentiating or reverse differentiation. If we think of differentiation, we have a stem cell and it turns into any type of cell in the human body. De-differentiation could then be when a cell that is thought to be differentiated, say a skin cell, were to go back and turn into a stem cell under its own volition and then re-differentiate into kind of whatever it needed to. And so the thought here is that astrocytes have this ability to proliferate. They are one of the few non-neuronal cells in the brain that can proliferate. And the idea here is that they can actually turn back into a stem cell and then later, and then differentiate again, so to speak, into a neuron. And that's the hope. And no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's their proposed method, right? And you're absolutely right. Um, it was noted that astrocytes are some of the few glial cells, which are the non-neuronal cells in the brain, that have this unique ability to de-differentiate in adulthood. And then a large portion of this paper, and probably one of the, the, the things that made me laugh the most is just, how they describe all of these different pathways or ways to manipulate this astrocyte de-differentiation. And what is comical to me is that they say, oh, there's a therapeutic endpoint. Well, we can use microRNAs or transcription factor pathways and epigenetic changes. No, you're not going to throw in some transcription factors into somebody's brain cause these astrocytes to de-differentiate right. into neurons, right? Like they're not, that's not an actual therapeutic approach. And so I think what we need to highlight here is, yes, end goal 
multiple decades down the road is a cell therapy. But right now, understanding the molecular, potentially even biochemical or epigenetic regulation of astrocyte dedifferentiation is going to be the first step. And that's what it always is. How, like I study Alzheimer's disease, as we've mentioned before. And how do you cure Alzheimer's disease if you don't even know how it's happening, right? So how exactly. are we going to use astrocytes for neurogenic cell therapies if we don't know how they're doing that. So that's a big portion of the paper. And quite honestly, skip it. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's important. If you want to read it and you want to sound super smart, those are the techniques that we're using to understand astrocyte dedifferentiation. But those themselves are not going to be the cell therapies. And even more specifically, these therapies that we do in vitro, which just simply meaning not in the human brain when it's alive, which is yeah, I always think of in vivo is la viva loca. So in, <laughs> very cool. Right. Very so in vivo is like in the body, and I don't know. And then um, in vitro is in a dish. Sorry. Yeah, we'll keep it light. But the yeah, so so basically, you can't really predict what's going to happen in vivo. There's always gonna be some discrepancies between in vitro studies and in vivo studies, and what we've seen in previous research that have been done on the brain, neurons, anything with the brain, even glial cells, has been a weird, I guess, mix of, of in vitro things and in vivo things where what we predicted in vitro weren't really happening sometimes. And so this is always something that we have to take into consideration that grain of salt in science is very common. And especially with brain research, it's always going to be very common. But it's it's nice to, you know, right? It's nice right. to like, you know, read these titles and be like, well, that's, I mean, but the, the beauty of this is this is what gives pathways to new research. Right, exactly. And that's, and that's what's like the, the grain of salt that we're taking this with that we want to recognize is there, that it's a not, not a perfect conclusion. That idea in and of itself is what gives rise to new research. And so we're hoping to, with this to podcast, I mean, to essentially show all of you and demonstrate that thought process if you're looking to get involved in research. This is how you look at what is previously known, and you start to say, well, there's a bit of a hole missing there in this logic. I can explore that. Right. And what's beautiful in neuroscience, I guess, kind of, it, it's a little bit more specific because we just don't know so much about the brain right now. Right. Other than other, relating to other parts of the body where we do know quite a bit about, it's kind of like a proof of concept right now. It's it's like a business. It's like a startup almost. Right. You know, yeah. So getting on the, you know, on the ground floor and you can be someone who's doing crazy cool things. My anatomy physiology professor, for example, when she was talking about this, uh, it was either the cerebellum or cerebrum, I forget now. Cerebellum is it a big part. Cerebellum's a little dude in the back. Yeah. I don't mini know my anatomy. Brain. Yeah, mini brain, that's what it is. Anyway, um, and then uh, she was basically saying, like, when I was studying this, they didn't know. Right. <laughs> and that, that right. it's so new. And like even my teacher, when she was studying it and she's in her late 30s, I think. Yeah. Right? No, I, I knew a neuroscience professor, um, one of my favorites, actually, who was basically saying like 10 years ago, this this stuff would have been like scoffed at. Like, oh, there's no way. <laughs> Love and that. now this stuff is looked at like mm, we can go further. Like, this is still not enough. Love that. So, Milo, in talking about dedifferentiated astrocytes as a cell therapy, we must consider the controversies, and as they did, in creating essentially precancerous cells. Talk, talk to me about that a little bit. So 
like any other cell therapy, if you're trying to control the growth of any cell in any way, especially making it proliferate, you run the risk of something going wrong in that machinery because it's still a the cell. Chemi- uh, cell machinery, right? Exactly. The cell machinery is still liable to the same errors that happen in our normal bodies. And so if you, if, if anyone knows anything about glioblastomas, astrocytes are the main causes of the glial cells. Right. So non-neuronal cells, glial exactly. cells, glial cells are the proliferating ones, proliferation. And it's when, usually the astrocytes. Right. That and end up right, exactly. creating glioblastomas. And, and basically, I was getting at cancer. When proliferation is uncontrolled, you have cancer. Anyway, so something else we talked about was epigenetics. And I always describe this. Um, to students as above genetics. So you think of epi or epithelium, it's above something, so above genetics. These are the regulatory, whether it's chemical or environmental or injury-based changes that can then actually affect the genetics of that cell. And so all of this is taken into account and potentially could be manipulated. I think what's really cool too is we were talking about cancer how this could, you know, maybe lead to cancer, how any anything that leads to cell proliferation could lead to cancer. I think that this could also lead to us understanding it much more. Cancer, a, that is. Right, exactly. Th- those specific glioblastomas um, made by astrocytes. And in understanding how to create these therapies, we basically begin to understand what these cells do, what these cells are, how their genes are regulated. But, you know, if we're thinking back to the whole scenario where, you have a stroke, you walk into the ER, it's wheeled into the ER. I keep saying walk, but probably can't walk to the ER with a stroke. But, you know, you sit down and, and doctors are like, yep, a few hours, you should be okay. Same thing can happen with, with glioblastomas if, you know, we're, we're looking into a future where these therapies become for real and millions of people could potentially be helped and these diseases could potentially so, stop. So how are we looking at it with in the use of glioblastomas? I think something that's interesting to bring up as well is what they touch on in the last paragraph, uh, right before the conclusions. They they basically say, even if we could contain the cancerous growth, right? So um, Nilo's saying, right, that if we understand this better, we can stop cancerous growth. And one of the concerns is if we're promoting neurogenesis, that we might create cancerous growth, cancerous growth, excuse me. So something that's interesting to consider is that the inclusion of new neurons might not inherently be good. Neurogenesis in and of itself might not actually be a good thing. Right? And so they talk about that in this last paragraph, how traumatic brain injury leads to a large increase in neurogenesis but results in atrophied astrocytes. They also say how stroke leads to an increase in adult neurogenesis, but many of the new neurons do not integrate properly and contribute to cognitive issues. And so we're looking here at you have a computer, something breaks, you don't just throw something else in and hope it sticks, so to speak, right? You have to actually interconnect everything. And I think that is... Exactly. You know, it's a partition, your hard drive where you can use it. Right, right. So it there's, adds there's to the complexity. More, yeah, behind the scenes. Right. And so I think that's why, that's why we're particularly excited to talk about this paper because it really does highlight the future of this field. And working with PhDs that are writing similar re- review papers, I know that their work that the people that wrote this are already working on the answer, which is kind of cool. Absolutely, right. Yeah. And so, 
it's a race to the finish line at this point. Right. I mean, by the time this paper was published, which was uh, actually, tw- I think uh, in December August, of August of 2019. Okay. Right? Yeah, they, they are they must have already been working because publishing takes a while. So Milo, we're saying how difficult this is, right? And and really we don't know anything. Let's bring this to a now stand or time point. Why does this then matter? Like I, I always found research to be exciting because, oh well, we don't know anything. It's a very new field. Everything can be a discovery. But it also is kind of intimidating when we go over a paper like this and nothing makes sense and what do we know and really we're just unraveling the past even with this so so bring this to the now so obviously this doesn't really give us anything right now but we can't answer any questions in the future if we don't begin to ask them now oh i love that well put so we have to go through these phases of preliminary research to be able to prove that this is something that's worth studying that it's something that's not going to be plagued by a bunch of errors and i mean obviously we've been talking about a lot of things that can happen where you know cancerous growth we can have neurons that don't integrate properly tons of things but this is still very very early seeding research that in the future can have incredible therapeutic effects i mean just simply talking about how we can reverse strokes or how we can reverse more diseases than just strokes, reverse cancer in the brain. Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's. Exactly. Right. Brain is interesting, dude. Yeah. So this <laughs> is, this is, it, it, it's important to begin to ask these questions now. So in the future, we have people who not only are inspired by it, but have access to what we have now and what we've been trying to do now in order to advance that to a point where we do hopefully see some of these results that are predicted for the future honestly though i wish the future was now and i wish we could see these things now but you know there's a lot of uncertainty and i and i truly hope that with with neuroscience and brain research especially in this caliber we don't reach a point of kind of like an asymptotic climb towards information where we always are almost there we almost have these things but we just can never get there right and so uncertainty can either be scary or it can be inspiring and i think as scientists that's kind of what we're drawn to absolutely kind of like times today with a big pandemic yeah right yeah we can either be scared by it or we can even with more of the political things happening too i know i've taken steps forward that i didn't know were needed or was scared to do right but being scared versus being inspired by this uncertainty I think you guys can see which one is more productive, at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just about it. Um, We hope you enjoyed this paper. If you'd like to read it and read more resources that we thought were really interesting, really tied this together with with our theme of brain diseases. Or some of the papers that they actually cite in their review. You can go find that on our website at brainnewpodcast.com, B-R-A-I-N-N-E-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com. Please go visit us, subscribe. Do whatever you want. We don't care. Just kidding. We love you. Love you all. Milo and Jake, signing out. Boom, baby.